Well, hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Voices of Social Change. My name is Josh Shookman, and this is the podcast where we share the stories of social entrepreneurs and the movements they create. So whether you're an aspiring change agent or a cause-based leader, this is the podcast dedicated to you, where we get you the resources and the tools you need to create business that makes a dollar and a difference. Hey again, and welcome to today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Real quick, before we break into our interview, just want to highlight, if you're not already a part of the community at Social Change Nation, please come join us there. It's Social Change Nation that puts on this podcast, and this podcast really represents the heart of Social Change Nation, our our heartbeat of our movement is really this podcast where we share these stories. But our overall goal is to build a community of social entrepreneurs and change agents. That's what we're all about at Social Change Nation, and we want you to become a part of that. This movement is really your movement, and we want you to become engaged and to join these stories, to comment on these podcasts, to keep up with us. And the best way to do that is to run to socialchangenation.com, and you can link up with us, sign up. I will send you a newsletter. We do that two times a month. Uh, We certainly don't inundate you with, with things up here, but we do try to keep you up to date in terms of what's going on with cause-based business, social entrepreneurship, and keep that conversation going and make sure we get you the tools and the resources you need as you're either building your movement or working toward building your movement. As a bonus, when you sign on as well, uh, we will give you a totally free gift, a guide we've created, the 10 keys to building a successful cause-based business. These are lessons we've learned interviewing social entrepreneurs from all over the world. Again, that's yours for free. I just sign on and we don't inundate you. It's just a matter of signing on. It allows us to keep you up to date in terms of what's going on in the Social Change Nation community and what's going on with this podcast at at Voices of Social Change. Also allows you, by the way, to join the conversation. We do this podcast as a conversational component. We want you to be a part of it. We want you to come in and comment on the podcast we do and let us know if there are other movement leaders that you think we should interview. If you would like to be interviewed, we would love to share your story. Again, this is a community. Everything that we do at Voices of Social Change with the podcast and at Social Change Nation, again, our website, socialchangenation.com. Everything we do is designed, dedicated to building that community. And so we want you to become a part of it. Easiest way to do that is run to socialchangenation.com and you'll see how to link up with us. Also, you can see all of our old podcast episodes, listen in to any topics that interest you and, and feel free to comment and again, join that conversation. So we'd love to have you as part of that. Okay, without further ado, let's go ahead and tune in for today's interview. Well, hey, Change Nation, and welcome again to the Voices of Social Change podcast. I am here with Tito Alvarez and really excited to have our first guest from all the way over in Switzerland. We've had a few from the UK, but this is the first one from Europe, uh, at least mainland Europe anyway, that we've, we've had on the show. So really excited to chat through a few things there. But Tito is the founder and leader of 
Beyond Beanie. It is a social clothing company that makes awesome beanies and accessories. And every time you make a purchase, you are supporting the work of a talented artisan artisan in Bolivia who proudly hand signs her work while helping to provide meals, school supplies, and school uniforms to children in need. And they have an especially unique story even across the board of, of people we've interviewed. So Tito, just want to first thank you so much for being on with us today. Yes, thanks actually to you for this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just before we talked, you, you mentioned you're, you're coming up on your one-year anniversary with Beyond Beanie. Is that right? Exactly. It'll be next month on March 10th. Perfect. Love it. Well, that's, uh, you know, funny, I didn't get a chance to mention this, but this is actually, we're coming up on our one-year anniversary with Social Change Nation right about the same time. So we uh, we oh, share great. a birthday. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so congrats to you guys too. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Well, I've, I've loved watching your story unfold. And and like we were talking about offline before, we, we featured you in the Social Good Shopping Guide. So just really excited to unpack your mission and, and hear more about your story here today, Tito. I especially, I want to hear a bit about what's going on in Europe with social entrepreneurship entrepreneurship and, and those kinds of things. But we'll get to that. But I want you to just go ahead and start us out. I introduced just a bit about Beyond Beanie, but tell us about yourself and, and talk to us about how and why you started Beyond Beanie. Uh, yes, well, actually, I was born and raised in Chile, in Santiago. And uh, after I finished my high school, I moved to California, where I did a bachelor's in business administration. And then I stayed for a few years where I actually had a photography agency. And then uh, I got married to a Swiss girl and we ended up moving to Switzerland. So I've been here now for four years. And while I came to Switzerland, I I really got involved in uh, social entrepreneurship. There's actually a, a movement going on here in Europe too, as probably you know. And there's a lot of NGOs in the Geneva area. So I thought, uh, I mean, actually, the, the first thing that I did after I came here was to, deep, it was to do a master's in management with concentration in marketing. And then after that, I thought, well, I'm going to give myself a try and I'm going to try to launch Beyond Bini. Uh, but at the time when I wanted to launch Beyond Bini, I didn't know it was going to be Beyond Bini. But it's interesting how after a trip that I made to Bolivia, after my studies, I really saw the situation of uh, artisans and children there. And then I thought this is something that I could do and I definitely should do. So then that's how it started. Perfect. And can you take us there? I want to land there for a minute when, when you were in Bolivia, Tito, because I read a bit about you and, and you had a, a history of entrepreneurial ventures. Is that right? Several businesses that you had you'd worked with? Yes, exactly, exactly. So talk to us about your aha moment in Bolivia. What, when was the moment you realized that you, you were destined for social entrepreneurship? Uh, well, it, I mean, at first uh, it was like this. I, I was in Bolivia with my friend who I had actually also met in California. She studied there. And we were, I mean, well, we were traveling. We were, we were seeing that there were a lot of uh, women sitting in different street corners. They were usually trying to sell fruits or they would uh, need some products such as beanies and scarves and try to sell them to tourists. And she explained to me, because she's actually from Bolivia and she moved to Bolivia after her studies, that it's actually, I mean, it's pretty normal for for Bolivian society to see uh, this kind of uh, women that are in different street corners. And she explained that it's actually uh, most of them are from indigenous backgrounds who go to these big cities trying to look for opportunities, but they don't find opportunities, so they end up end up uh, yeah like trying to do different things to make a living, and they end up with a few children, 
and this generates a cycle of poverty and orphan children and things like this. So, uh, I mean, I was really impacted by this. It was, uh, I mean, something that you don't really see in Europe. And yeah, I bought a few pennies from different people and as I was traveling, I was taking some pictures from the different beanie makers. And then I moved, uh, I came back to, to Switzerland for vacation. I mean, after my vacation, I, I came back to Switzerland to resume my normal life. And that's when I actually uh, started to share the products that I had bought and the pictures with my friends. And they were like, wow, this is really cool. And they also liked the idea that uh, they could know the people who made the, the products. And at this point, uh, we were not really thinking about doing a social enterprise, but I got back with my friend and I said, hey, my friends like their products and uh, maybe you can send me some products and I can try to sell them and then we can see what we can do with them. So she actually organized a few artisans. She's actually from Cochabamba, which is a town about six hours away from La Paz, where we met different artisans. And there she, she went back, she organized a few women to make some products. She sent them to me, I showed them to my friends, and I began selling them. So the initial batch of product was about 60 products, and I sold them through friends in an event that I hosted at my house. And with the money that we made, we decided to support a local orphanage in Cochabamba. And this is sort of like how everything started evolving. And... and since that point of it's been since we launched the website it's been a year but since we started the whole project making was about 14 months but uh, everything since we started it's been just a year maybe it's gonna be a year next next month so that's more or less how things uh, started and where we are right now perfect yeah i love that i think there there are lots of of great nuggets there that i want to unpack especially as we talk more about the specifics of of your business before we get there i want to just go a little higher level first off and we've talked a, a bit about social entrepreneurship what does it mean to you to be a social entrepreneur tito in other words you had these traditional ventures before what makes beyond beanie different uh, well, actually, uh, the main difference is that uh, in a normal uh, uh, business setting, you actually offer, a, I, I would say, a, a good or service to to the consumer, which, of course, they're going to enjoy, of, they're going to benefit from. And also, you as the seller or the vendor, you are actually getting a profit, and with that, you can keep going, you can make a living, etc., but for me, a social, being a social entrepreneur, I mean, social entrepreneurship is going beyond that to not just give a, something to the consumer that they value and it brings a benefit to you, to you as the vendor, but also has a larger impact to society, uh, and especially if it helps the most needed, who are usually the ones that are working very hard behind making the products and they never get recognition or they don't they get the least benefit yeah yeah and that's it okay and and you have a really interesting way of of telling their story that i definitely will will get to as we unpack your business in in part three but let's move to to part two and i want to talk a little bit more generally about how you made some decisions you made with beyond beanie the first one that i want to talk about you mentioned this briefly that your your cause that the cause that's, that's baked into the mission of Beyond Being, not only is it the artisans that you support, but it's also an orphanage you support. How did you, aside from the artisans that you support, how did you choose that particular orphanage and that particular cause to get involved in? 
Uh, it was because my friend in Bolivia every every year um, she she I mean she, towards Christmas they go with her group of friends to different uh, orphanages in Bolivia just to try to to do like a happy Christmas like to organize something for the children. So she already had some contact with a few orphanages in her local town in Cochabamba. So that was actually, uh, I mean, how we chose this orphanage because she, she knew that they, they were in, in need. And actually right now we're supporting three orphanages. It's not just one anymore. So we're happy that we've been able to, to grow that. And it's all been through contacts and it's been my friend who's also been supported by her friends to, to identify which places need the most help. And of course, it's very difficult sometimes to pinpoint like which place or which organization or which um, orphanage needs the most help, but we're trying to do the most that we can with the resources that we have so far. And it's been great that we're getting so much support from, from consumers and friends. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And so that's, that's a really interesting piece there. And I know a lot of us tuning in are, are interested in that. You started supporting one orphanage and then you were able to, as the organization grew, it sounds like grow into helping others. How did you decide the the point at which you were going to bring on another orphanage to where you felt secure in doing that? Well, it was actually because uh, my friend was getting, uh, I mean, as as, she, as people knew in Bolivia that she was doing this project, she started to get contacted by different orphanages, different places or different places where they, they give meals to children. I mean, uh, first, maybe I have to explain, in Bolivia there's about 10,000, there's an estimated about 10,000 street children and some centers are just for children to go to have meals and then they, they go back to whatever they were doing during their daily life. So she was actually getting a lot of uh, contact from different places like this. And it was just mo- mostly through relationships and contacts that she was trying to see where we should go, what we should do. And of course, she knows also there are some very, very remote areas of Bolivia that she has not been able to visit yet. Uh, or to reach with help, but we're working on trying to bring more support to the most remote areas. But of course, it's very difficult to to decide where we start. But I guess the important thing is that you just have to start. Mm-hmm. And, and then, in terms of your your business plan, was there a certain level that you said, you know, when we reach this level of revenue, then we'll we'll try to work with another orphanage? Or how how did that conversation look from from that standpoint? Uh, okay, uh, the first orphanage that we started with. Mm-hmm. They were just 80, 80, 80 children, around 60 to 80. So we gave them all school supplies and meals, and then we thought, okay, now we're able to go to, a, to another orphanage, which hosts about uh, 40 kids. So we were in a good position to, to, to go to a new place. And then we were like, okay, so we already... Uh, provided them with uh, meal school supplies uniforms then we're gonna see where else we can go and we're trying to take things little by little we also don't want to how can I explain this we don't want to leave unattended what we're already doing (laughs) (laughs) right so it's important for us to go little by little I guess 
Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's that's a really important message for for us to hear because as change agents, I know I, I personally and a lot of us come from a background in the nonprofit space where the and, and really any time we're in social enterprise that the the social problems can oftentimes weigh us down and there are so many things we want to get involved in and, and so many different organizations we want to work with. But I think what you're saying here, Tito, is so important for us to remember that the mission you've committed yourself to initially, in other words, that that first orphanage you committed yourself to, it was important to you, and I think it should be important to us, that we stay committed and dedicated to make sure we're always maintaining that mission, even as we grow our social mission, you know, that we make sure that our organization is ready for that. And I like that little by little piece, because I think that's so important for us to hear. I know me personally, I tend to want to, want to go really big and I've, I've learned the hard way that if, if you go too big, then you're, you're not really any good to anyone you're trying to serve. So if, if you start small and then go little by little, I think that's a huge message and an important lesson for us to hear. So thanks for that. So, so let's talk. And I'm, I'm, I'm really curious about this part because like I said, you're, I, I've, I've chatted a little bit with the UK, but I don't know exactly what Europe has. So for us in, in the States, by and large, most of the organizations that I, I talk with are per- pursuing some kind of for-profit or hybrid structure. Can you talk to us about the structure that you pursued in with Beyond Beanie? But then also talk to us about what kinds of structures you looked at in Switzerland. Uh, okay, so uh, the first thing that I considered was to start a non-profit, just regular like non-profit uh, NGO model. But then I was talking to an accountant and he explained that it was a little bit complicated, that there's a lot of regulations. And even though, I mean, it sounds like it's a, I mean, like the best model, he said that it would be a little complicated also for us to decide where we wanted to help, how we wanted to help. And he said that for what we wanted to do, which was actually more like a fashion brand, that would give back, that would help others through every purchase that consumers make, it would make a, a lot more sense for us to to just become a for-profit model that gives back. And basically he explained that uh, in one sense, uh, we want to position ourselves more like as a fashion brand that gives back instead of trying to be a charity that people buy from and then they, they they think like, oh, by the way, I like the product. It's the opposite for us. We're really try, trying to position ourselves as a, I mean, as a cool brand, fashion brand that people like just because they, they I mean, they, they, they love our looks and they have the added value of helping instead of the other way around. And the other thing he said that in case we ever wanted to grow, in case we wanted to maybe bring in investors, it would be a much easier to do it as a for-profit model. And the last thing was also um, in order for us to go to retailers, to go through like third parties that would could carry our product, it would be uh, easier, legally speaking, for us to be a for-profit model. So those were like three or four aspects that he explained. And therefore, we studied the two options and we decided it would be a great option, and then I looked at other companies that are doing similar work uh, to us, such as Tom's or Seminly, and I realized that they are using this model too. So then I was like, yeah, it sounds like a, a good model that it's been already working for some time, and I think that we should do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And did you, you mentioned Tom's and Seminly. Did you have other businesses that inspired your work? Uh, yes, actually, there's a whole lot that I, I follow. 
But um, I actually, I, I don't know if you've heard of Braided Please. She's actually a fashion blogger, but she's also just launching a line of T-shirts, which uh, help uh, different charities that support girls. And I'm really impressed with what she's doing because actually she's trying to bring in different companies, social good companies that she's featuring through her blog. So I'm really, I mean, I think she's doing a great job in what she's doing. So I really admire that. And I also um, like, um, well, it's a Swiss company. It's called Switcher. Switcher, okay. Yes, they make t-shirts which support uh, schools and orphanages in India. Perfect. So yeah, those are like a, a few of the ones that I'm following. Inspiring. And like, Got it. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's the, the beautiful thing is you, you've told us about a few that that are in Switzerland and I'm, I'm in Kansas City. And even here in our startup community, we have a pretty large number of startups that I, I would call social entrepreneurs. They're definitely cause based businesses. And I think the message there is that these kinds of entities are, are popping up all over the world. And so for those of us who are, are starting these ventures, one thing I often say on here is it, it's critically important i think to link arms with somebody if at the very least link up with them online get into a web community but i think it's even more important to link up in person in your home community if at all possible that's been something that's really helped helped me grow and and just honestly not feel so alone and and i think you're echoing that tito that that there are lots of of local entities now that we can link up with and share resources and and hopefully all grow together and so I'm just saying that for, for us tuning in, that I think being on the lookout for that is, is really important. Another thing I want to highlight that, that you said here, and I've mentioned this quite a bit on the, the podcast, but it, it's, it's one of those themes that I, I keep hearing people say now across the world that I really want to echo. You mentioned that the for-profit structure allowing you to bring in investment allowed you to grow in a way that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to grow in. And I, I want to highlight that and land on that because I just think that's such an important consideration for us who are looking at starting a cause-based entity. And as most of us are kind of not sure whether or not we should pursue a nonprofit or a for-profit structure, I think that's an important thing to consider is that the, the level of growth that you can experience in certain ways can be very different with a for-profit structure just because of that investment uh, component and so it's interesting to see that that's that's similar in Europe because I've heard that from a lot of of entre- social entrepreneurs here in the U.S. As, as well. Now, one other thing I want to just ask you about, Tito, on that. It, it, here in the U.S., we have some some newer legal structures like a, a benefit corporation that's still a for-profit structure but bakes that, that social mission in. And actually, as they bring investors in, they can hold those investors accountable for social good. Are, are you aware of anything like that in Europe? What does that landscape look like? From what I've known, at least here in Switzerland, there's n- not such a structure yet, but it would be very interesting to, to know how, how that would be presented. Uh, maybe uh, I should propose it. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah. So, how is it called in the US again? Uh, well, it's, it's called a benefit corporation. And, ah, okay. Yeah, and then there are, but there, there are kind of two. Uh, models for that. So some states have actually passed B corporation legislation, so it's then a legal entity. And then there's a B corporation certification. And so the B corp certification, 
the closest thing I can equate it to is like kind of like a green certification or a fair trade certification in a way. And that, at least for companies in the U.S., even if they're just traditional for-profits, if they have a social mission baked in, they're starting to go after that certification more and more because it is pretty rigorous in terms of the things they look at. And so it's a good way of, of sharing with people looking at your organization that, hey, you know, we passed these, these criteria for social entrepreneurship or for a social business. Well, wow, that's great. Yeah, but actually, at least here in Switzerland, I haven't heard of such a structure yet. But uh, I would love to, 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 I mean, to hear more about it. And when I do more research afterwards, and also maybe ask local authorities if they they have plans uh, to start something like this. But thanks for sharing that. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So moving back then to Beyond Beanie, talk to us about the accomplishment that you're most proud of. Well, the first accomplishment was actually, I guess, pretty impressive for us when we were able to sell our first batch of beanies and products just through my friends. And with that, I was actually able to to tell my friend, hey, we, we reached like a small goal and we were able to, to provide school supplies for, for a group of children. And then she sent me some pictures and I was not physically there, but it was such so amazing. Uh, to to see those happy faces as well as the drawings that the the kids drew, uh, just because they were just like thankful. And sometimes you don't realize how something as simple as, I guess, a set of school supplies can make someone happy. I guess it's something that you cannot. Uh, I mean, it touches you a lot. Yeah, I, I I love that answer, Tito, and and I love that. Like I said, I, I always love it when I hear themes across the world as I interview people. And I, I love this question for that reason, because when I hit on this question, the accomplishment that social entrepreneurs are most proud of, I, I basically never hear some kind of, you know, oh, we made tens of thousands of dollars in sales or, or or kind of a traditional business metric. Instead, what I hear are the stories of lives changed, the stories of that moment when you went to that school, when you when you saw what your business had created firsthand. And, and I love that message because to me, that is what distinguishes social entrepreneurship from traditional entrepreneurship are those stories and how socially involved we social entrepreneurs are. And so I, I love that, that message. And, and again, just hearing that it's <laughs> a common theme across the world is I think really powerful. So you're right. Love that. Well, now we, we have talked about the, the accomplishment then that you're most proud of the story that you, you love to tell, but we all know that any entrepreneurial venture and especially a cause-based entrepreneurial venture, has its fair share of challenges and setbacks along the way. So take us to a moment where you experienced a serious setback with Beyond Beanie and talk to us about how you came back from it and what you learned from it. Well, actually, we, I mean, I think I've been quite fortunate, I'm fortunate that we don't have any big drawbacks or something that really happened to us that we say like, wow, it's, we cannot get out of this, but We've had some problems, for example, understanding uh, how importation of products work into Europe. We had to uh, we had to pay, for example, some uh, large amounts of money in import that we didn't know. We were not aware of how things work. So that was something that kind of bumps you down at the moment. But of course, it's something that once it happens, you learn, and then you can keep going. Uh, the other thing was a little bit like some people they when you once you tell them that you want to do something they they don't 
believe that you can do it or they, they say like, why don't you just go like do a regular corporate job, you now have a, a master's, you can get anything you want in terms of a job and uh, you speak a few languages, uh, I mean things like this. It's mostly I guess from people that, yeah, I mean now that I think about it, it's more like people who don't think that you can do something or they think that you're a bit crazy for trying to go <laughs> in a pattern that doesn't seem like a normal pattern. But the other thing that happened just happened, you know, I guess for you too when you started your, I mean, your radio, you've also had a few challenges, but at the end, if you believe in it enough, you keep going. Yeah. Well, I, I want to land there for, for one second because that, that hit home because I'm, I'm just about to finish an, uh, a master's degree and I've, I've definitely been running into the same friction of, you know, why, why don't you go and, and get that traditional corporate position? And I, I, I do speak a couple languages likewise. And, and so that's definitely a challenge I've run into. So what I'd like to hear, what I think we'd all like to hear from you, Tito, is, how should I put it? How do you know not to listen to that? How do I how do I ignore what people are saying? Exactly. Well, uh, I guess you just have to first of all have a strong commitment to <laughs> to your own values, to what's important to you in life, and just keep going. I guess there's always going to be moments and people that criticize you, and then what you're actually doing it, they I mean they don't come back to say you're doing it. It's just like they. They love to like try to stop you or tell you you cannot do it. But then once once you're doing it, they don't come back to say like you did it. So it's just like keep going and try to show first to yourself and then to others that you're able to to reach your goals, even though to some they may seem crazy or yeah, just crazy. <laughs> yeah, I I love that perspective. People will will always be there to tell you you can't do it, but when you do it, they're not going to be there to come and tell you, "Hey, you did it." <laughs> Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and so remember that as as those people come along, it's the ones who come up and and are supportive of you as as you're rocking it and as you're making an impact that are the ones you really want to pay attention to and and stick with and have by your side. So yeah, exactly. per- perfect stuff. Well, the the last question I would have for you then in in this section is, what do you think are the unique challenges that we face trying to run a for profit in the social sector? Uh, it's, uh, I guess it's been changing over the years, but uh, I mean, it's trying to explain people why you are a for-profit and why you are doing this for like charities or helping children uh, where uh, you should actually be focusing on making money for yourself. Uh, it's a little bit like this, like the, like the, I guess the the old way of thinking that you always encounter, uh, but it's I think it's been I mean it's it's evolving quite rapidly that more and more people are trying to look for and shopping from companies that offer goods or services that give back. So yeah, so going back, I mean it's been a bit of a challenge sometimes for people to understand this. But uh, on the other hand, I think that uh, it's becoming more and more standard for people to actually want to shop from companies that give back. That it's not a it's not going to be a challenge anymore. So I think that everyone uh, is getting into this new mindset. 
<laughs> yeah, per- perfect stuff. Well, well, Tito, thanks. That That's going to close us out here for part one. So for those of us tuning in in Change Nation, stay tuned. We'll be back with part two and Tito of Beyond Beanie here this week. And that's where we'll chat through some, some specific questions about Beyond Beanie. And then, of course, walk Tito through the rapid fire round where we'll get some resources for you to start plugging in right away. So stay tuned. We'll be back with you here in Voices of Social Change later this week. Hey, Change Nation, and thanks for tuning in to part one of that interview. We're really glad to have you here. Stay tuned for part two coming at you this week, where you can get some key insights and some key tools from this change agent, and you'll also get my key takeaways. The last 10, 15 minutes, I'll go solo and just give you my kind of key thoughts around this in the context of a lot of the other social entrepreneurs I've interviewed. So don't miss that. And lastly, don't forget our book recommendation for these next few months is going to be The Promise of a Pencil by Adam Braun. And you can get that for free at audible.com. We have a special link for you. We're putting in the show notes now. It's audibletrial.com backslash social change audibletrial.com backslash social change. And again, it's Promise of a Pencil by Adam Braun. It shapes so much of what we do here at Social Change Nation. I would highly recommend you pick that up and you can get it for free with that little trial right there. So, all right, take care. We'll catch you here in just a bit. <laughs>